singing in the kitchen all together singing in the kitchen everybody singing in the kitchen banging on pots and pans a mama and daddy singing in the kitchen baby laughing Welcome to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. Thank you for joining us. We are now in our... I'm just going to make up a day. We're in our 24th year. Correct. uh, On Cairo. Thank you. That's official now. It is. Is it? (laughs) It's official now, yes. I wrote it down. Because I always say I'm not really sure how long we've been on the air. (laughs) Thank you, Annie. Uh, that's Chef Annie joining us at the at the microphone, bringing us luscious blueberry muffins. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Chef Tom Douglas, and I'm Terry Rotiro, the Chef in the Hat. And uh, we come to you every live every Thursday morning on YouTube, and then uh, Cairo plays our show on Saturday afternoons from four to six, and Sunday afternoons from four to six, depending on the sports schedule. So much excitement, uh, Terry! You just got back from uh, Kaua- Kauai, Kauai yep. uh, which is where your son is working now, right? Correct. My son and my daughter-in-law. Um, Ryan is the uh, manager of a cacao farm. Mm-hmm. They don't just do cacao, they do also vanilla beans, Tahitian and Madagascar. What a beautiful is, combo, those I two know. go so nicely and Tons together. of fruits. Um, it's really cool. It's very cool to see that kind of farming. Mm-hmm. Definitely conscientious farming, too, so that's really cool. Yeah, that's super nice. I just got back from the uh, wee uh, isle of the United <laughs> Kingdom and northern of, north of that in Scotland, Scotland, uh, I was, uh, my taste of the week is from Scotland today, but we'll get into that in just a minute. We have a big show for you, as we usually do. We're going to learn about Korean barbecue. You know, it's such a hot topic. It's so hot. And my only complaint about Korean barbecue is I hate having to scrub that little grill pan afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Good every- reason to go to Bai Kong. All that, yeah, exactly. So all that sticky stuff gets stuck on the grill pan. But you know what? It's super fun to sit there and cook your own food. They bring out... Uh, big platters of raw beef or whatever it is, even things like asparagus, and, and then you just simply grill it on, on the, at the table there. So, And unbeknownst to me, um, I actually have a reservation, at, um, or reservation, I'm meeting somebody tomorrow at Bangrek Market downtown. Yeah, to, that's Thai, right up the oh, street yeah, right there here. on 1st yeah. Avenue. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to go there tomorrow, so... It's, You're uh, always out and about. It's super fun. You know, the kids own that, of the, the Thai Siam in, in uh, Crown Hill, where I right. go pretty often for to-go food. Uh, the, the mom's kids open this bang rack market. Right. It is jammed. I haven't been there yet. Wait till you see the cocktail scene going on in there. It is crazed. It's Good. super fun. There's cocktails the size of me with 18, 18 straws. Something Rebecca Den is here today. She's a Seattle food writer and the PCC sound consumer editor, uh, which is a fun little magazine, kind of newspaper that PCC puts out. I'm not sure how often... But it looks like it's either monthly or weekly. Seasonal. Uh-uh. I think it's quarterly. Terry and I are going to report on our travels to Scotland and Hawaii. Uh, and then uh, we're going to talk about uh, leafy greens are starting to come he- in here locally in the marketplace. And we're going to talk about that with uh, Charlie's Produce. And next, our favorite taste of the week. So, chefs in Hawaii for a week, did you bring back one favorite taste? You know, if I'm, you didn't, I'm, we're just going to put you down right now. Uh, you know, the cacao bean that uh, are growing on the farm where Ryan works was definitely a highlight for me because you don't actually see cocoa bean ever on the market or anywhere. You see the nibs, but you don't actually see it from the tree in the pod. In the pod. We took the pod out, break the pod, and there is this white kind of cottonish, slimy thing around the beans. 
What is that called, Pam, that white thing? Mucilage. It's called baba in, <laughs> in southern, southern California, southern uh, America. Uh-huh. And um, I think it actually stands for snot. People yeah. do eat it. Oh, uh, I eat it. I eat it. Okay, good. Live. It's beautiful, sweet, and it makes the best ice cream. Yes, that is a brilliant idea. We didn't try it, but uh, um, it, it is a very, yeah. Im- for the people who grow cacao, yeah. it's a very important food stuff. It's very important, and it's very, it's beautiful. It's uh-huh. really delicious. Yeah. So you take the, the cotton slash slime off the cocoa bean that's in the pod. Boy, I'm sorry I missed that. <laughs> yeah, and it's really delicious. You eat it on the field. And it's also what they keep on the beans to do the fermentation before they dry the the beans that goes then to the roaster and becomes cacao. Hmm. Are they roasting? Yeah. No, they roast. They send working? it to Honolulu to roast. Okay, there's a roastery and a chocolate. They make the chocolate in Honolulu in a factory, and then they bring it back to Kauai. What what a great experience for I you mean, to see chocolate well, in the wild. I yeah. kept pointing to Pamela because she has in this room probably other than this young lady who can told us what, how chocolate is grown, uh, has as much experience as anyone because she helped start Theo Chocolate. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, there is two different kind of pods. There is the yellow and the red, you know, and you just scratch it to see if it's ripe. That's how you know you scratch it with your fingernail. Oh, and really? You see there's a little bit that moves out, and you see the color of the pod, and that's how you know when it's ready. But you can also, I mean, by knowledge, by being around, you know when it's ready when or not. When they're ripe. Yeah. But you just crack it and open that thing, and you see this whole grape stuck together. It's really cool and very, very beautiful. I encourage anybody going to Hawaii, try to go visit a cacao farm. Yeah, you can it, do it on the Big Island, too. There's, they're all yeah, they the have place, some on the yeah. Big Island, yeah. Did you right. bring us any vanilla? Not, f- not for anybody here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that one for me. So on I'll the vanilla plantations, the va- are there just beautiful orchids everywhere? Or just- I, I, I'll talk about it in a segment when, oh, we, okay, uh, when we talk about right. my trip. My taste of the week from Scotland, you know, uh, there's always pressure over there to have haggis, yeah. which is um, kind of a, a lamb stomach stuff, stuffed with the innards of the lamb that's mixed with oatmeal and kind of steamed or baked or however. Don't make it sound so good. I know, it's just delicious. Well, the funny part was, uh, they now, because so many people are, won't buy the haggis, they'll buy, they're serving vegetarian haggis. Stop it. What? Yeah. what? And so I ordered vegetarian haggis. And <laughs> Whose guts is it? The beets or the radish? A, it was a cabbage leaf. <laughs> of course. And you know I love stuffed cabbage. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it was a cabbage <laughs> leaf. And so here's my thing. It's like, yeah, I love, I love haggis now. And it was just... <laughs> And I, uh, you are so soft for cabbage. I know I exactly. I love cabbage. And so between the vegetarian uh, haggis and the haggis that I had years ago up in St. Andrews, the town of St. Andrews, which was the Thai red curry haggis bonbons. Right. Because haggis bonbons are a big deal over there. It's like arancini, right? Except they make t- little mini haggises and they... Red like a dumpling. Em, red them and deep fry them, yeah. Like a dumpling. So anyway, you, you can now go over there and feel good about ordering vegetable haggis and eating haggis. <laughs> what is the world covering? I know. <laughs> Who knew? Vegetarian <laughs> Who haggis. Knew? That's like... So, uh, yes, let's, let's uh, come back. We'll talk a little bit more about that and uh, foods of Kauai and Scotland. When we come back on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. That's toast. Just toast. I got pots, pots and pans. I got pots, pots and pans. Yeah, that's the way they like to play. Banging on pots and pans. Yeah, banging on pots and pans. Now another pot. 
All right, here we are. We're back here in the Hot Stove Society Kitchen. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are in the Hotel Andra in downtown Seattle, 4th and Virginia. If you ever want to come and do a little staycation, it's super fun. Stay right upstairs, come down for the show, have a little breakfast. Sometimes we even have uh, contests where we give that little package away. Do we have anything coming up? Um, we're anxious to start another one. Let's do one right now, today. No. no. Let's do it. No, we're How many of our listeners say we should do it right now, today? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, it's Father's Day tell, coming. Father's you can Day. tell when there is something really wrong with what you're doing, Tom, when Pam starts walking away like, yeah. oh, no, 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 not today. So if, if what do you have a producer, a highly compensated producer for if you don't get to spring a few things on them <laughs> so uh i want to see a picture of your charcoal grill not your gas grill oh man i want to see a picture of your charcoal grill uh that you own i want to see what dish you own on your charcoal grill i don't care if it's duck or chicken or steak or whatever it is but you send me a picture you send pam a picture <laughs> and uh this way by next week we'll be able to give away our staycation package which would be a breakfast at Lola, the radio show, and a night here at the Hotel Andra. Pam is frustrated right now. Uh, <laughs> night at the Hotel Andra. Wait, this is only one week. It's only one week. Okay. Yeah. Well, Father's Day is not till the, what, 17th or something like that, 18th? So you send uh, Pam at? Pamela H. at TomDouglas.com. All right. A nice picture of you and your grill. I mean, last time we did it for Mother's Day, it seems only right to do it for Father's Day. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, you know, we celebrated my mother's stove that's sitting over there in the corner here at the hot stove. Now, if you ever want to come do like, a, what, are they, what do they call that when you visit Mecca or you... Pilgrimage. pilgrimage. A pilgrimage. A pilgrimage. If you want to mm-hmm. do a pilgrimage and come see my mother's stove, you can do that right here at the hot stove. It's spectacular, if I don't say so So myself. if you don't have a grill... If you, don't, if have you a, don't have a grill, don't send a picture. Okay, exactly. Yeah. So you the options will be opened. Uh, so people that are watching YouTube can enter now. Sure, why and not? And a lot of people don't hear this until the weekend. So you can send in your entries through Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Tuesday the 6th. And it's not like people don't have an archive of photos of Dad on the grill. Come on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tell us about something else that you've had that you had on your trip to Kauai. You know, there is a, so Kauai, first of all, is a very special island to me. It's, a, it's the garden island of Hawaii. I've been to many islands in Hawaii, like we all have. Luckily for us, I think Kauai is very special because it's, it's probably the only island where I actually feel the break coming on when you come out of that airplane. Yeah. You just, there is no choice. Kauai feels like it is behind the time of changing Compared to the, even, even because Maui feels very hip when you come out of the airport, you know, and, and all those places. This doesn't, Kauai feels like, okay, I'm in the islands. And it is extremely lush. It rains every day, something, every day rains a little bit. And that keeps everything extremely, extremely lush. So it is definitely what you think of when you think of an exotic island in the middle of the Pacific. I think Kauai definitely represents that. One lunch we did, we did one very special lunch uh, we drove to um, Anale Bay, which is the top north of the island, where it's absolutely gorgeous uh, part of the world. And there is a, a very hotel that gets redone and taken over by this chain called One Hotel. There's like six or seven around the world. And it's called One Hotel Anale Bay. And you're sitting there for lunch overlooking Anale Bay. It is breathtaking, beautiful view. Absolutely beautiful. 
Very nice food, did very decent food and good cocktails. You know, this is a food show, chef. So what did you eat? I can't tell you what I ate. Okay. I had some poke to start because I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't do poke everywhere I go in Hawaii. That's not normally what I do. But, you know, in certain places, I'm like, well, let me see how they do that because mm-hmm. they try to be fancy and try to, you know. And it wasn't that fancy. It was delicious. It was not fancy. It was done correctly. Don't, yeah, it's know. not supposed to be a fancy dish, right? Exactly. No, yeah. Uh, some uh, wonderful salad of... Uh, vegetable. They grow all their herbs, and they don't grow their vegetable, but they grow all their herbs. And uh, they had a beautiful mixed salad with lots of fresh herbs. They had uh, basil, mint, tarragon. They had all those herbs that you want in I've your salad. I've been doing that so much, right? That's a that's the Vietnamese influence for me. Yeah. On my cooking is the, that yeah, very and, same and, thing. And, and yeah. it was absolutely delicious. Not over seasoned. Not a creamy dressing. A light dressing. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic salad. So. Absolutely fantastic lunch, and the view was just breathtaking the whole time. I recommend that as a trip, at least for a lunch. And if you are rich enough to afford to stay there, please go right ahead. <laughs> it is definitely not inexpensive, but absolutely beautiful. And then, of course, the farmer's market in Kapaha. There's a farmer's market uh, on Saturday, and it was just like a giant football field. It wasn't a football field. It was just a park. Mm-hmm. And then, the, you know, with, you have people selling food that's already made, and there's people selling Raw food, obviously, farmers. And we did, all shop. we did a bunch of shopping there, getting all pineapple, mangoes, you know, all those fruits. Beautiful, gorgeous fruit. And um, the pineapple is the, uh, the white silver pineapple, gold pineapple. Not white gold, it's called white sweet pineapple. Absolutely delicious. It's white and it's super, super sweet. Mm-hmm. So there's not much of that on so the market. So that's probably why they call it the white sweet pineapple. Yeah, yeah. that's a good, good name for it, right? Mangoes, delicious mangoes. Mm-hmm. Because mango is another What do you one. make out of a mango? Uh, just uh, breakfast in the morning with some yogurt. <laughs> oh, okay. So just a simple... <laughs> Love having that for breakfast. Passion fruit, passion fruit juice, just raw uh-huh. pressed passion fruit with the seeds in it. And uh, mango and pineapple with yogurt. You're in Hawaii. You're not anywhere else when you do that. Yeah, and it's exactly. all fresh. You know, and mm. Anything like the huli huli chicken that I get on the big island? So I did uh, uh, what's called the barrel chicken. In, uh, in Kapaha, there's a little shack that sells barrel chicken, which is the same mm-hmm. idea. Delicious. We get a half and we bought another half to take with us home so we could have that you know, refrigerator just in case we get a little bit of hungry. <laughs> you know, it's nice to have a half chicken roasted in the fridge at all time. 100% of the time. 100% <laughs> of the time. <laughs> so that was a nice one. Um, nice discovery in, uh, in the farm when we visited many different fruits that I've never even heard of. When I was visiting the farm where uh, uh, Ryan works, uh, my son, Orson, um, you know, we saw some tangelos on the trees. You know, tangelo is a big, mm-hmm. almost grapefruit-looking thing. We saw some uh, dragon fruit. Uh, we saw some sour soap, sour soap, sour S-O-P at the end, um, which is guanabana. All those different fruits, I was like, what is that? What is that? Yeah. And um, there was one specifically one that, uh, that was really cool. It was called Acerola Cherry. And it's almost like um, rose hips meets apple and Asian pear in flavor. So it looks like an apple. You remove the ants because <laughs> there was, was tons of ants on it. Um, and then you eat it. It's, it's pinkish, light pinkish on color. And then you eat it. The texture is uh, soft um, Asian pear. Rose hips flavor. Really beautiful light fragrance. It was Incredible. On the Sounds tree. fantastic. And then, of course, vanilla beans. Tahitian yeah. vanilla beans on the vine and the pods. 
and uh, bourbon, Madagascar. Beautiful thing. I mean, that is incredible to see beans. I, I already had seen it in India, but this was absolutely beautiful to see. All right, as that a leaves form. me 30 seconds to talk about my trip to Scotland. <laughs> that's how much, that's and, how much um, we need. And uh, we had a lot of good smoked salmon. That's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. There isn't much to talk about, but uh, good smoked salmon. I could uh, name a few restaurants. If you're traveling there, a few restaurants uh, around Loch Lomond and uh, places like that. But, uh, but from the food perspective, you had a much more sacred trip than I did. Uh, we're going to welcome Samuel Kim, Director of Culinary Op- uh, Operations, and David Kim, General Manager of Limwood Location of a Korean Barbecue Joint, which you found out how to say. I'm going to get schooled by David right now. Okay, when we come back on Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Goodbye, Mama Shroom. Papa, shake my hand. Here come the shrimp boat for. Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. How to marinate the meat. Let me teach you how to eat. It's a culinary treat. Let me teach you how to eat. Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show here in downtown Seattle. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're in your garden somewhere, in your car listening to us, uh, maybe cooking in your kitchen. Whatever it is that you're doing right now and having us join you, we thank you. Uh, Pamela, Korean barbecue uh, is uh, really a hot craze that's been going on. It's not new. This, is, this craze new, has been going on for 20 years now, but at least in this area. Of course, it's been going on for centuries uh, other places but uh, you've invited some folks to our show yeah because i keep hearing so much chatter about them and they've gotten great press in the seattle food scene and i need to know them i haven't been yet all right so in, in, i'm on my way to linwood <laughs> in our studio we have david kim he's the general manager of beck jung um beck young correct yeah pretty good uh, up there in linwood and we also have on the phone samuel kim he's the director of culinary operations for uh, Beck Jung and the whole, the whole restaurant group. So, Mr. S- Mr. Samuel Kim, uh, tell us about the company. And I know you said you're in L.A. right now, and uh, you have six restaurants on there. This seems like a big operation. Um, it is, um, but we we've been in, in L.A. Um, our first restaurant opened in 2012, but um, this company was actually started in, in Korea and um, really, really um, was embraced um, in Korea and expanded rapidly all throughout Asia. We opened our first store in 2012 in L.A., and we thought it was finally time for us to kind of expand. So our first two restaurants were in L.A. and New York, and then from there we we really kind of focused our growth here in Southern California. So this is where our traditional operational footprint is. But we chose Seattle to be our first kind of area outside of where we, we, we normally operate because, um, you know, the owner really just kind of loves the city there, just um, just just loves spending time up there. And um, we really wanted to kind of um, make Seattle, the, the Pacific Northwest area, our first area where we branched out of Southern California. Mm-hmm. And so the owner is a former Korean pro wrestling star, uh, and reality show star, how did how does that work? Is it, was that an important uh, entrance into the he business? Must, he must love food too. Yeah, yeah. So he is a foodie. So um, he's actually the founder. Um, he no longer kind of is involved with any of the operations in North America. We we have our own CEO and owner who was a partner when um, the company was first brought to the U.S. 
Um, but the founder is kind of, they call him MC now, where he's hosts of shows. Um, but his his start is he was a he was a Shidam wrestler. Shidam is the traditional Korean wrestling. Um, was actually a champion, um, but then kind of once he retired from that sport, he was always kind of a funny guy and had a really really outgoing personality. Um, it was very dynamic. So you know the camera kind of loved him. He became a comedian, and now he's just one of the greatest. So um, was really really. Um, influential um when the company first came over to really you know establish it was an established brand already so um, when it came to the u.s uh, we were met with um, welcome arms which we're very thankful for absolutely is korean wrestling anything like american wrestling like the like uh the, the crazy crazy guys that jump around in the arena and fall out and jump on top of each other or, or sumo um, wrestling in japan i just watched some of that the other day that's a kick so it is not like American wrestling. I would say it's kind of a hybrid between sumo wrestling and like a judo style. So you don't start the engagement apart from each other. You actually are the, the, the match starts. You guys, each person is holding on to the, kind of like this harness rope that's tied around each other. Mm. And once it starts, it's whoever is able to make the, their opponent fall down first is right. the winner. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> You know, it's, cool. it's interesting how many different people get into our business, Chef, uh, don't yeah. you think? Oh, very. From a, the architect up there at the Souk Harbor House, oh, yeah. you know, to Ron and Carrie uh, from the Herb the Farm, Farm, who were uh, retail catalog pioneers. Know. And, you know, it's just it's interesting. Uh, we have a very lovely business in that way that it draws a lot of uh, interesting talent to our shores. So what was what's, what's the... Uh, the general concept of the food you're doing in the, in the restaurant in general, is it more street food or more fine dining food? Or well, The food that we're serving at Pek Chung is, is Korean barbecue. And Korean barbecue is just a certain dining experience that Korean people enjoy. Now, Korean barbecue, um, the primary protein that we like to eat in Korea is beef, which is very unusual in Asia because beef is just a very expensive cut of meat. So it's always kind of a celebratory type of a meal. Mm-hmm. Now, as beef has become a little bit more affordable to the average person, you know, it, it still is kind of a, a gathering of family or friends because it is interactive, right? The grill's right in front of you. The, the meat gets cooked in front of you and you communally eat off the grill. So, you know, it forces interaction and and engagement between the people that you're sharing the meal with. So for Korean people, it's a very special thing. um, I grew up eating it. It was always kind of a special occasion. Some special visitors in town, you know, or someone's birthday because, you know, again, beef, you know, it gets expensive. um, So it wasn't a meal that you could kind of have every every night of the week. So, you know, we, we, we really try to try to provide a very authentic experience of Korean barbecue. Um, just authentic flavors, um, authentic cuts of meat, um, not really uh, changing anything from what you would experience in Korea. Now, the environment of our restaurant is, it's its a kind of a very trendy, you know, we're trying to recreate like a, if you were in Korea and we're eating in a night market, you know, outside in the night markets and grilling and eating there, we're really trying to recreate that in um, inside of our dining room. So at our restaurant in Linwood, um, the the decoration is is we've kind of recreated the outside streets of Korea inside the restaurant by putting up street blade signs and 
you know, just just really um, having thoughtful approach to, you know, the, the dining environment that we'd like to create. Sounds like David has a lot of work to train the staff to <laughs> interact with the guests at their tables. Is that challenging or have you found enough great people that understand the ceremony of the meal? You know, it's been a, an, an interesting um, transition for me in terms of Korean cuisine, Korean cuisine to this community and um, just introducing it to Linwood. I've grown up in Seattle all my life and just known that, like, most people went to either gravitate towards Frederway or to Linwood for Korean food, mm-hmm, typically right. in the past. And so they always got out of the city. And so just traditionally saying, okay, this is a new restaurant in Linwood. This is going to be awesome. And we just going inside, it's a fascinating experience because Baekjung is, is big. It's, it's much bigger than I anticipated. It's about, it's got a big dining room. It's got a big patio, two big uh, dining rooms and a large bar. And so nice um, combo. (laughs) So just going in, is just a unique feeling. Uh, for this area, just having grown up in this area in the, all my life um, is kind of mind blowing. The staff are great. It's a fun environment. It's interactive. So um, a lot of people are coming out of their shell in terms of trying Korean cuisine. And it's just uh, fun to share that with the community around here mm-hmm. that we, I've grown up around. So it's uh, it's it's a blast every day. It's, you know, p- people's eyes or you, you see grown adults just saying, I've never tried this. And they, they just leave so happy uh, trying the cuisine, and it's very rewarding. The staff is wonderful, too. It's, it's warm. It's, it's not stuffy. It's relaxed and just uh, a whole bunch of fun. So, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. that to, to really pull this off in the spirit of the night market and the Korean barbecue, your staff is super important. True, true. And typically uh, in this area, a lot of people are accustomed to cooking Korean barbecue by themselves or uh, but at Baekjung, uh, the servers cook for you. And so that's a, sort of a unique style, uh, which is, um, it, it raised my eyebrows. And it's, it's quite nice because you can actually see the technique and the, and the different uh, grilling styles for different type cuts of meat and whatnot. And so it's a, it's a fun experience. If you want to try something new and, and, and something different, I always envy people that come after a round of golf. They're sitting there eating cold noodles and curry and barbecue, and they're just having a soju and beer. And I'm like, oh, that looks oh, so, so amazing. <laughs> and I was just, I was like, wow, I, there's no better meal to me uh, after, after that. But also, um, we're open for lunch and dinner. And so it's it's just very comfortable and delicious. And so you say golf. I mean, Korean golf is like the hottest thing going right now. If you look at the <laughs> Siwoo Kim and some of the guys on the a men's tour, but the ladies uh, professional golf tour is just solid with Korean players. It's right. it's like such a pash, a pastime in Korea these days. huh? It is. It is. Mm-hmm. And um, I tell you. Korean barbecue is a way to cap it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when we come back, David, I want to hear just a minute before we get into the actual barbecue itself uh, about, you know, you've gone from very hoity-toity dining that we perceive as like top of the mountain, but it really isn't. If you look at what David Chang has done for the restaurant business, it's elevating deliciousness no matter whether it's in crystal, on porcelain, or on a paper plate. It doesn't really matter. So you've gone from Canlis in the Four Seasons out to Baekjong out there, and I'm curious about that transition. Sure. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM.
It ain't the beat, it's the motion. Makes your daddy wanna rock. It ain't the beat, it's the motion. It's the movement that gives it the sock. All right, we're back in the hot stove kitchen on Cairo Radio. We're enjoying ourselves here. Annie has put out a delicious little breakfast with... Uh, hey, Annie, we have a Korean uh, chef guest on the show today. Why are we eating Spanish breakfast? <laughs> Good point. That's my fault. All right. I Beck Jung, the team from Beck Jung is here out of Linwood. Samuel Kim, the director of culinary operations, is on the phone. And David Kim, right here in our studio, general manager of the Linwood location of Beck Jung. I'm going to uh, spell it B A E K J. O-J-E-O-N-G. In case you're trying to find us online or make a reservation or run up there to Linwood and go try it out. Beck Jung is the name. It means butcher in Korean. means butcher? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, David, I, I promised that we would talk about, just for a minute, about your transition from Canlis and the Four Seasons <laughs> to Beck Jung up there. And I know you said before in the break that you had moved your family up in that direction, Correct. up into the Lake Stevens area. So it's yeah. a much better commute for you. How are you finding the transition from that kind of fancy, fancy, fancy to more traditional everyday dining it's 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 fascinating people people want the same thing at every restaurant every restaurant, is, yeah, yeah absolutely to Good feel the warmth point. to feel to feel the hospitality just to be make sure that they're getting a great value and a, and, and great food of course and so after years of working in the city and working with some pretty exclusive uh clientele you move away from that and you come out of your shell and you, you explore new new areas and just Understanding that uh, the simplicity of restaurants is is just treating people well and having great relationships with your staff and with your guests, and that just uh, transfers in where, wherever you are, whether it be L.A. or New York or Seattle or Alderwood Mall, and so mm-hmm. or Seoul or Seoul, Korea, of yeah. course, yes. Yeah. And so um, we get a, a wide range of um, clientele from Koreans to uh, a lot of Vietnamese and Chinese and Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, they have different levels of expertise with Korean Korean food, and so that coming in is also a fun uh, challenge because you get to share the experience with new people. Um, and also, I think I see Koreans come in sometimes, and they feel very proud to have such a great restaurant in their neighborhood. And so it's uh, it's it's a unique spot. And um, but uh, that 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 customer experience or just treating people well is. It's the same game. It's like playing yeah. basketball. You're going to play down your street, or you can play in a in the arena. It's yeah. it's the same, same thing, game. wherever. And so, Put the ball in the hoop. Yeah. That's right. Samuel, uh, can you just uh, kind of walk us through what it's like to walk in? I mean, people uh, that have never been to a Korean barbecue joint or any sort of uh, international restaurant like that um, don't really know what to do. Uh, tell us how to approach dinner at uh, Baekhyun. And what people should uh, feel confident when they walk through the front door. Yeah. So first, when you walk into Bekja, um, you'll be you'll be warmly greeted. Um, it's a signature of ours. We call it out as every guest is walking to the table. Once you sit down, you're able to choose whatever meets your preferences. We also have some combos that we package a selection if you if you don't want to do all the car meats. Um, but from there, there's really no wrong way to eat Korean barbecue. So when you sit down, y- your table will be filled with a bunch of little plates. Um, in Korean, we call those panchans. They're little side dishes. And what those are, they're not meant to be eaten alone. They're meant to be eaten with the meat because... 
the panchans are kind of designed to accentuate the flavors of the meat. Some of the some of the panchans are pickled because you're going to eat a lot of rich meats. You want that acidity to cut through the the richness of it. Um, some of it is meant to be wrapped. But from there, the beautiful thing about Korean barbecue is is every bite that you have during the meal can be a custom bite because you can just pick and choose which panchans you're going to put together, which sauce you're going to dip it in, this sauce or that sauce. You're, you're throughout the meal, you know, a lot of times you go to a, 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 a restaurant, you get a big entree, you know, your first couple of bites, you're, you're getting used to your meal. But then after that, every bite, you kind of already know what your, the flavor of your food is going to be like your palate gets a, accustomed to it. In barbecue, the beauty of it is it's kind of a pick your own adventure. You get to kind of customize what flavors you like, what combinations you like. And that's it. You know, from there, you just have to sit back. Um, David had briefly mentioned upon it. Um, one thing that is very unique to Baekjung is most Korean barbecue restaurants, you'll, you'll order your meats, the server will put the meat down, and then you're kind of left to, to figure it out yourself. And, and most people not, you know, cooking on a grill like we have, you know, we don't want you to overcook it or not cook it the way that it's supposed to be cooked. So you just have to sit back and enjoy and eat um, pretty much. Like we'll, mm-hmm. we'll take care of, the, care of the experience for you. If it's your first time, we'll kind of walk you through it, guide you through it, tell you what this is, this is this, this is what this panchan is made of. This is my personal favorite. Panchans are refillable. You know, you can, you can refill it as you, as you eat it. So, um, it's all about having a good time. You know, it's, it's not a stuffy dying environment at all. And, uh, David, any seafood on the menu besides me? I mean, it says meat. When you say meat, do you mean meat and seafood or do you mean just meat? <laughs> We mean just meat. <laughs> okay. Well, I just wanted to know. I just, we've I just got a seafood sundubu uh, soup, but uh, it's primarily it's a uh, grilled meat. beef, beef okay. and pork. So, yeah. so, so the reason why is because in Korea, when you go out to eat and you decide where you want to go, you don't go to a restaurant and then decide the dish that you want at the restaurant. In Korea, the restaurants, really, they specialize in one or two things, and that's really all they do. So yeah. if you feel like you're happy, you want to have meat, then you go to a barbecue restaurant. Right, right. If you want to have seafood grilled, then there's a separate restaurant where they you can do seafood grilled or or stews yeah. or noodles or anything like that. So so for us, we, we primarily focus on beef and pork. Right. So David, the pang chong, uh, the little side dishes can be like overwhelming when you first sit down. If you've never been to this type of restaurant before, anywhere from six to ten of these little. Uh, side dishes come out. My favorite is the little pancakes that are kind of julienned in yeah. in the bowl. I'm not sure what they're yeah. made out of, but uh, what are some of your favorites? Well, kimchi is a staple, of course. Kimchi, yeah. So yeah. yeah, we've always got the kimchi on the table. Um, right now, we're featuring a uh, a soft tofu, mm-hmm. uh, which is silky and just melt in your mouth, and I just love that. Some uh, fresh vegetables like broccoli, just to mix it up with the uh, the beef, and then um, you know we've got this. Uh, Radish marinated in beets, so this is really nice. Gives you that acidity to kind of uh, break up the uh, the rich meat, and so. Um, but it changes seasonally, which is fun, and so we we change it up. Uh, we do offer a seafood pancake as well, and a kimchi pancake, which is always good. But the variety is 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 fun and interactive, and the and the fun thing is it's family style, so you get a little bite of everything, yeah. and everyone right. gets to try. And then a lots bit. of dipping sauces, of course. Yes, yes. yes. Gochujang so, is like the hottest barbecue sauce in the world right now. Yes, yes. Gochujang is very popular. Um, we have samjang as well, and we have this gibbon sauce, which is sort of the signature. And so a lot of uh-huh. variety and ways to play around with it, which is fun. And we just started taking reservations, which we, oh, really? today, yeah. which we haven't in the past. We've kind of traditionally just been a waitlist kind Walk of restaurant. In, yeah. yeah. And so 
feel free to give us a call and we'll, we'd love to have you. It's a big restaurant, so it can accommodate big, bigger parties as mm-hmm. well. Which is so once fun. again, the address to uh, make a reservation or to uh, go to the site? We are in, in the Alderwood Mall next to uh, Gina Juarez and P.F. Chang's. It's 3184th Street, Southwest, Suite 922 in Linwood. Our phone number is 425-490-MEAT. Meet. Yeah. <laughs> 425-490-MEAT. Yeah, and so give us a call. We'd love to uh, make a reservation for Great you. Great place to yeah. meet, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Meet in sure. Chef, Chef, I can't believe you went down that road. I had to. I had to. You had to. Uh, th- isn't your slogan, we meet again? You know, there are there are plays on word like that. Words like that. Yeah, I like it. Meet and meet. Yes, of course. Thank you so much to uh, Samuel Kim, Director of Culinary Operations, and David Kim, General Manager of the Linwood location of Beck Young. Uh, thank you, uh, our listeners who are going to go there. and We want to mob the place. Yeah, That's tell, it, yeah. tell them that we sent you on Cairo Radio. Uh, we're coming back to um, talk to Rebecca Den. Hi, Rebecca. Nice to see you, <laughs> your sunny face walk in the door here. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Bring me out a piece of that All right, here we are. We're back in the Seattle kitchen here at the Hot Stove Society Show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Chef in the Chapeau has just returned from Kauai. That's right. And this time it's without a big sunburn, so that's good. Really? Did you cover up? I covered up, yes. Very thickly. Either that or it rained a lot. No, both, but both. Uh, yeah, but, but no, the sun. I was trying to stay away from burning because it happens quickly over there. Yep, and I am just back from a golf sojourn with ten uh, dudes or twelve dudes. Who goes on vacation with dudes? Sounds such fun. A, such a you do. Thing. Yeah, I do. I, I do. certainly don't. Yeah. <laughs> I go with uh, as many girls as possible. <laughs> well, I was gone. My uh, Jackie got a new dog, so she's on a she's on a rental dog uh, situation oh, right now. Wow. She's trying out different dogs. Oops, Try diamond all dogs. I do know is that when I got into bed last night, the dog was in my spot. Oh, <laughs> not your spot anymore. I was only gone nine days. Bad training. I was only gone nine days. Bad training. <laughs> it was just not right. We're welcoming Rebecca Den here to the uh, Hot Stove Kitchens in the beautiful Hotel Andra, downtown Seattle. Welcome. Long time no see. Hello, it Rebecca. It is so nice to be here. Yeah. Tell us about you. What do you want to know? And well, I, I, I usually tell people I'm a food writer who lives in Seattle with my um, omnivorous husband and three vegetarian children. How did oh, that wow. happen? So wow. sorry for you. What did you do wrong <laughs> in your last life? That... Well, it's, it's weird. And they, they have, for the most part, been so stalwart. And it was uh-huh. one by one. And the youngest one many years ago on Thanksgiving was like, ooh, I wonder what turkey's made of. And her older brother says, just like this, it's dead bird. (laughs) They kill the bird to get the meat. And she was four years old then. Uh She's about to be 13, and she has not touched touched another bite. Older siblings are like that. Very persuasive. Uh, Let's go back. Let's go back. People might recognize your name from the Seattle Post-Intelligencer days. Wow. You still have a soft spot in your heart for that? I, I do. It's actually, it's, it's a little hard for me to 
to drive past the building, which which is a shame because PCC, where I work now, is next, literally next door. <laughs> so I'm looking up at the globe, um, uh-huh. and and it's different. But I, I do still freelance for the Seattle Times and for other um, other food related publications. But yeah, the PI always always has a spot in my heart, and mm-hmm. it's always always going to make me sad that it's not here. Yeah. All right. So you were there for a while doing food reviewing and doing a kind of general food writing, correct? Kind of. I started out as a metro reporter, okay. and I, I spent a lot of time covering um, police and especially courts. We'd go to murder trials. I, did a, I spent a long time on a package on, um, on death row on one particular um, double murder case that uh, it was just such interesting issues and such wild things. And you learn, I mean, you learn a lot about humanity with food and food is, you know, food is life in a lot of ways. Um, But crime is also an interesting way (laughs) to Uh learn about life. Then I switched to, uh, to covering education. I really always wanted to write about food. I always loved food um, so much and, um, knew there were stories I wanted to tell, and I completely fell into it um, by accident. And I just kind of grabbed it, and they let me keep doing it. And um, I always feel like I, I tricked them a little bit into, you know, by the time they turned around, I was just doing it. And right. I was doing it <laughs> And decent. paying you to do it. I know, and I was doing a good job. And then, and then the, uh, the, the restaurant critic's job came open, uh-huh. which is, I mean, it sounds like the best job in the world. And... It kind of is, except it's very hard on your lifestyle. And I had a little kid then, and um, and it wasn't always fun to never be home. Yeah, uh, as I'm, I'm sure you know. Yeah, um, well, that's the restaurant business in general, right? Yeah, it's, it's a nights and weekends business. Yes, yeah. and there were great parts to it, like when you could tell someone about. This little restaurant they never would have come across, and it's amazing, and you should go there, and it's really something special. And then you see people appreciating it, and mm-hmm. like that you've done, you've shared something good in the world. Um, but I found it really hard. Like I, I, you need bad reviews. Like your job as a critic mm-hmm. is to let people know where you think they should spend their hard-earned money and where maybe they shouldn't. And part of that's your own personal opinion, but I found it really hard when a restaurant, when I had to give like a genuinely bad review that I knew was going to hurt the person because Mm -hmm. no one thinks, no one thinks, yeah, I'm going to do a terrible job. I'm going to have, you know, bad service and my menu is going to, you know, it's going to be obvious. I don't care. I mean, I think no one opens a restaurant wanting it to suck. Right. (laughs) For sure. True. Is there a difference between a bad review and a mean review? Yes. Yes. Oh, totally. Because I struggle with the mean reviews. Yeah. Because a bad review, you put yourself out there, you take what you get, right? I, we've had, I had this conversation with um, Bethany Jean and uh, you know, many people, John Hinneber over the years. But yeah, a mean review is different than a bad review. Yes. And your reviewer is going to have a different perspective. Like, like Bethany Jean wrote about your coconut cream pie. Yeah, but um, I didn't find day. like I didn't feel like that was a mean review. No, and, and I didn't either. Yeah. Um, but and I always remember you saying once that if people just made it themselves and realized how much the ingredients cost oh, yeah. and how many hours it takes to to make it, you know, they might feel a little. They might not feel so bad about about paying for it. And it's I think it's true for most things, and you think are too expensive when you see them on the menu, and you eat them, and you go, "That was the best one I've ever had," <laughs> and you go. 
here you go. That's why you pay 12 instead of 10. You know, it's like it's... And usually it's a matter of like two, three bucks. I'm like, yesterday, yeah, yeah yesterday I had a, a French fries that was $10. I don't need to say anywhere where it is. It was one of the best French fries I've had in the city. Okay. One, like, one French fry? <laughs> That's how good it was. Just one. <laughs> no, it was really delicious. And I was like, you know, and the presentation was really beautiful. And, and everything came with it. Two sauces came with it. Ketchup and... And a beautiful dipping sauce. I was like, that's why certain things cost more. I, I know than the other stuff, because you can have bad for seven or eight, having great for 10, I'm like, no problem. Pay the 10. Totally. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Totally. But yes, ba- bad review versus mean. Like, I mean is fun to read, but it makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mimi Sheraton was pretty famous for some mean reviews. Pete Wells, ah. I enjoy reading him, and He's he gets kind. snarky. Snarky, but but I don't find them as mean as, right. as some. So it's, it's an interesting topic we should probably have you back and spend some time on. But when we do come back on this show, we're going to talk about your new role. Or not new, but your role with uh, PCC Community Markets and the uh, Sound Consumer Newsletter. Because I think it is, I think Pam does, who's a big shopper there, it's, it's a valuable resource. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Can't wait till it comes out. That makes me so happy. Yeah, exactly. And then when I found out you were involved, I dug in to see who the editor was. Like, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. This person has a a wonderful orientation on our food system. Yeah, and a very, very impressive background on it. Yeah. Uh, When we come back, more of Rebecca Den on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, ninety-seven three FM. Milk and cereal, milk and cereal, milk and cereal, cereal and milk, milk and cereal, 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 milk, cereal and milk, cereal and milk, cereal and milk. milk. All right, we're back in the hot stove kitchen. Rebecca again, Dan is our guest. I'm still eating Annie's breakfast, so it makes me. And we were just chatting about how I was proud to say I'm a member of PCC. <laughs> I don't know why I was. A, I wasn't proud. I was just saying I'm a member. I hope and you're I, proud. I read, I read the newsletter. Because I get it. It's interesting. You have very interesting subject in there. It's very, it's always nice. Thank you. Yeah. It's so nice to hear. I, 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 I loved it even before I started editing it. Um, but I, I truly feel it fills this space in the, in the food writing world that's not necessarily there anymore. I always compare it to Edible Seattle. Right. And say, you know, if, like, it's, not, it's not really here to sell people carrots. It's here to say, let us, let us tell you some things about carrots and <laughs> why this organic thing is important and why the farmland matters and who the farmer is. And it's, it's just the kind of thing I've always loved um, learning about and talking about. So it's actually really fun for me, too. Pamela, you're a devoted PCC shopper. I know they sell our product. We're really thankful for that. Uh, so tell us about why you love PCC and this uh, newsletter. Uh, I love PCC because of the produce section, and at this time of year when it's really shifting to Washington and local produce, uh, I love the information in the protein sections. The, all the butchers and fisher, fishmongers seem so well informed on the sourcing, and um, I love bulk almond butter. <laughs> yes, I love that. You know, it takes, you know how, much, how much water it takes to grow an almond, Pamela. I'm just I saying. I am cutting back because it's also now sixteen dollars a pound. <laughs> Is that why you're cutting back? Not because it's rich. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. The bulk, well, well the, the PCC label coffee, which is from Tony's in Bellingham, yeah. is actually really It's really good. delicious. I've had it many times. You know, I was a uh, fairly uh, daily PCC shopper when I lived over there on 66 by Green Lake at the, that tiny little one that was on the corner. Mm-hmm. I think it became Cancer Lifeline, if I'm not mistaken. When, when they were mean to you. Oh, yeah. They were, yeah, but... Um, <laughs> But they also, but I was also an organic produce shopper for my restaurants. And my mm. favorite was Joni at Rents Do Ranch. Mm. And one day she just didn't show up. And it's like, that's odd. Every week she shows up. For years she's been showing up and said, hmm, what happened? And PCC took over. It took all of her <laughs> took all, They like, guaranteed her everything so she didn't have to make these little stops around the city anymore. And that was it for me. Yeah, I remember that. But, you know, they, they just got a grant from PCC um, to help them buy more, um, more of the crates they use to transport uh-huh, the, the vegetables. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so they're still totally a PCC supplier, and it's – I'm sorry. I know that's bad for you, but, but it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get all my plant starts from them. Oh, do um, you? I do, yeah. 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 She is so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, – in addition to the articles and, and the way you kind of theme the issues, what I love are the questions that you get from consumers about specific products and the delicacy sometimes with which those questions are answered. <laughs> I'm so happy you noticed that that is actually something I loved about it as a reader for years because people, you know, understandably get really passionate yes. about the things they they care about and um, and their beliefs and there's a lot of people with very strong and reasonable and ethical um, completely opposing beliefs uh, and I kind of enjoy being able to give everyone a forum and I always thought that letters page treated people with respect yes and didn't take it too personally if they were getting yelled at and just kind of maintained this pleasant air of calm information. Mm-hmm. So I, That's I tr- a nice way to put it, calm information. But that, you, you learn as much in that section, I think. I, I, I learn a lot um, just by... What questions come up. Yes, and, and there are staff people um, who work on PCC standards um, and, and quality issues, and I will send them a letter, and, and they'll always say, Rebecca Robinson is the main uh, person working on it now, but she'll, she'll always say, well, this is, this is not as simple as you think it is. Yeah. Right. And, it never is. And it'll be this deeply researched, you know, in, you know, footnoted, incredibly comprehensive, like little white paper um, that I then kind of brutally chopped down to a couple hundred words. But it's like, man, that is, that is a resource. That's an art in itself, that editing, uh, editing down. So we're talking to Rebecca Den about the PCC, Community Markets Sound Consumer, which is a newsletter. It looks like a newspaper. Uh, it is, and it's quarterly? Is it, this one says uh, spring? It, it's, it's seasonal. It comes out five times a year, times although a year. we update the website more often sometimes. You get five seasons? Well, I, I, well, this is this is Washington. We we actually have six seasons. Oh, that's you know. true. You could right. do six. You, we, we have the wannabe spring, and uh, no, spring is not here yet. Yes, <laughs> and the fooled you spring. Exactly. Uh, yes. You know, we always talk about the New York Times, uh, Washington Post, L.A. Times food sections being kind of the best in class when it comes to uh, food sections in the local newspapers around the country. And I hadn't really put two and two together, but this is really a nice supplement to our scene from that particular perspective of mm-hmm. local food news. Right. 
Thank you. And yeah. the, the uh, Society of Professional uh, Journalists Awards are being officially announced later today, but I do see a couple of my writers and photographers on the list. Yay. And it, it makes me happy you know, to have them recognized because they do great work, and, um, and, and I'm really proud of it. The things I write for this are things that I freelance for the Washington Post. I, I regularly write for the Seattle Times, and these articles are not really any different. Um, a lot of them could have gone there, and I'm actually always excited when we write about something that no one else has written about. Um, yeah, that's the but, news reporter in you, isn't it? I, I, cannot, I cannot give yeah. it up. But like we, we wrote about the, um, there's a new coalition for organic and regenerative agriculture um, that started in Washington State, trying to kind of reclaim this, this momentum on true organic um, and regenerative farming. And I, I know it sounds boring, but I swear, read the story. Um, and it's really interesting. No one else had written about it. There's people we've profiled. There's issues we've talked about. The, the new issue, which comes out um, later today, we're talking about saving small farms and farmland. And Shelley, uh, Shelley Pasco from Whistling Train Farm has a first-person piece in there. And it, it taught me so much about what it really looks like to be a, you know, quote, successful farmer and how hard it really is. And I was like, gosh, you know, we're telling that story. Maybe someone else should have told it before us, but I'm glad they didn't. I'm part of a, a ranch group out of Montana called Rome Free Ranch, and it's a bison ranch and uh, struggling with some of the same issues, uh, both in supply and demand. Sometimes demand outstrips your supply chain, which you're committed to organizing in a certain way, organic and regenerative way. And so all of a sudden you've got orders for all of this product and you know, your supply chain might not be able to keep up. So what do you do? How do you still make a living? And yeah. blah, blah, how blah, do you so. grow? How do you do all that? I, I got to say, I feel kind of fortunate that my job is just to write about it and to educate people <laughs> and, not to to do and, and not to solve the problem. <laughs> exactly. Well, congratulations to you on, on keeping your uh, focus and your, your passion for food uh, in such a long career. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for all you, you. you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know that the Washington State leafy greens are starting to hit the marketplace. <laughs> yeah, I've had some already, and uh, it's beautiful. We had some, some this morning. Yeah, this uh, ruby chard this morning. Well, Charlie's Produce is going to be here with us for the next segment to talk about that uh, situation coming to our marketplace. I'm excited about that, where you can buy them. And uh, when we come back on Cairo Radio, it's not Stove Society Show 97. Can't wait. There was peas and greens, cabbage and beans. It was the biggest crowd you ever did see. And we're back in the kitchen on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. We've invited the folks from Charlie's Produce. You know, uh, the chef in the chapeau. Yes. Uh, I played golf with Charlie for the last 10 days. I go to a concert with Charlie. You're going to a concert with Charlie tonight. And dining. We are integrated in, in our life. Uh, well, Charlie's a very local dude. Very he's a local. legend, right? He's a legend and he's a local Person, yeah. When sure. he started selling to me uh, 40 years ago or so, uh, he was selling out of the back of a single truck. And when and he relent, relent, relentantly 
starting selling to me because I was a big pain in the butt. Uh huh. It's oh, he's thing. told me same some thing. stories same about thing. everything you would send back, and then oh, yeah. he would repackage it and send back the same produce. Yeah. And then it was, then it was and perfect. Go, what, 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 what is that? <laughs> no, 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 just kidding. No, anyway, so he's a lo- local legend. We've been buying from him forever for our restaurants and continue to do so. We invited them here today. Madeline is going to be the spokesperson for the Hello. marketing team of Charlie's <laughs> Produce out there. I'm a big fan of Laura Severance. I am, yes. too. Yeah, me, too. Exactly. She's pretty fantastic. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> she's got lots of groupies. She makes sure that Charlie stays on the straight and narrow and runs the uh, company for uh, the marketing director, right? Dean. Is that right? Yeah. She herds awesome. us cats. Uh, Madeline, so when you talk, talk to me. Talk to you. Talk to me. So tell us about uh, what's going on at Charlie's and what we can be looking for. Now, you're the main supplier for several, not just my restaurant group, but many, many, many. You see the trucks around town. I think there's like 500 semi semi-trucks now in the company so you see his trucks everywhere when i drive to the farm our farm in eastern washington i've been trying to put charlie out of business for years <laughs> turns out growing two cases of asparagus does not is not going to put him out of business but quite tasty i'm but sure but quite tasty yeah exactly so uh, tell us about all the different groups that you guys supply around town and what it means when you see a charlie's truck pulling up to a restaurant or a grocery store yeah, I'm sure you can't go down I-5 without seeing one That's of our true. Charlie's trucks. Mm-hmm. That's true. They're pretty much everywhere. Uh, right now is the beginning of our local season. We have all of our leafy greens coming in just this next week, which also is a big part of some of our in-house brands. The main one that is currently ramping up is called Farmer's Own. It is 90% local. Mm-hmm. That means here in Washington and Oregon with a few sprinkled down in California. Um, And they are our in-house organic brand. So next week in local retailers like QFC, Met Market, others. All those little independent stores like the the Thriftway. Scattered everywhere. Mm -hmm. You'll see your rainbow chards, your red chards, your kales, your lacinato kales. And those are going to be coming locally now mm-hmm. under our organic brand. And that's our big exciting news. Our other main thing that's coming in is our Yumi brand, which is berries and our main black seedless watermelon, which uh-huh. just what? started up last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. What is that? It is a Japanese varietal of watermelon. So it's black on the outside or a really dark emerald green with no seeds. And it is incredibly sweet. We just got our first shot last week. So exciting. Uh (laughs) You know, I bought one of those watermelon cutters where you slice the watermelon in half in the center. Mm -hmm. And you have, it's like a pie cutter. And you just slip it down over and it makes these beautiful little wedges. It's the bomb. I'm partial to the machete. Oh, machete. (laughs) So the organic brand is called Farmer's Own Own Mm -hmm. Organic. So if you want to uh, make sure that you're buying one of Charlie's products, uh, that's something to take a look for. Yeah. Yeah. Will it say that in the store? Like there will be little tags. They'll see Farmer's okay. Own around a sticker, the bunch or a sticker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There will also be blueberries. That is uh, the other commodity coming in under them right now. Uh-huh. That are also locally coming out of California, transitioning into Washington over the next month or so. Right. I don't think people understand how produce works in that way. That transition from from Mexico to, to uh, California, up to Oregon and Washington, how a season kind of. Uh, generates itself through the the growing cycle. Yeah, honestly, I have only just been learning about it, being Uh pretty new with Charlie's. This has been my first local season. We're just getting into it since I started in December. I've gotten to see the slow ramp up Mm -hmm. and all of those kind of backtracks we do with our 
multiple springs here in Washington. Mm -hmm. We've kind of had the same issues in California with all of the rain, all of the flooding, which has been quite the little hijinks in our supply chain. And so your buyers have to be on their toes all the time. Oh, all of the time. They are truly produce superheroes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Luckily, we have plenty of strawberries right now, also right. under our Yumi brand. Yes. And Yumi being Y-U-M-I? Y-U-M-I. Uh-huh. Looks I've like seen yummy. that brand out there. I didn't realize that is was it, a Charlie's Is it the brand. one from Mount Vernon, the strawberry from Mount Vernon? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> abundant beauty. It means abundant beauty. Abundant beauty. Of course abundant it does. Kind of like Chef and I. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah. can be our spokespeople. There we go. Abundant <laughs> beauty, Chef. Yes, that's what I feel like, an abundant beauty. So we've got leafy greens coming from Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would include the lacinato kale, which I'm a big fan of. You know what my favorite thing to use it in is, Chef? You're never going to guess. I'm just going to tell you. There's an Italian bread soup called Rebolita. Oh, yeah. And if you get it in Tuscany, uh, it's usually thicker than I like. I like it really brothy, and then I take the bread, and I char it over a charcoal grill so it picks up a little bit of that smoke. Right. And then it's got lacinato kale and some uh, gigante beans and some uh, chicken, really rich chicken broth. It can have shredded chicken in it, too, if you want. And it finishes a beautiful extra virgin olive oil on top. You know what? You are absolutely right. Because that's very typical for most anything Italian, yeah. especially in a brothy soup, where, uh, is finishing with a little uh, extra virgin olive oil and a little flake salt yeah. uh, to finish. And what a delicious. And I, I'm a big fan of the lacinato, which, you know, Madeline, you're not old enough to know this or not, but... <laughs> You know, I would say when, how old are you? 26. Yeah, so when you were born, lacinato kale was not a thing in our area no. at yeah. all. It was we all the, started eating it was it all yet. the leafy, you know, kind of curly, curly kale. Curly. Yeah. And uh, it became like the hot vegetable. And that's how things like what Charlie's does is it sees those kind of things in the marketplace and all of a sudden they're available it comes to out us. The market, they, yeah. they, Charlie always asks me, what do you serve in yeah. these days? And he knows what to look for in the marketplace. So it's, it's a really nice symbiotic relationship with your produce supplier and the restaurant or the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, and one thing we haven't talked about is Washington asparagus. I mean, they're everywhere Washington right now. This asparagus. is it. Yeah. This, is, this is what local and seasonal is all about. I mean, can't get any more than that. No, you can't. We actually got to go out and visit a asparagus field earlier in the season where you can eat it right out of the ground. Yeah. Did you Just have to pick some? snap it off and eat it like a snack. Yeah. Because it's only been out of the soil for 24, 48 hours at most with how fast it grows. Right. right. So we got to learn about the Washington asparagus scene, how it works in the bigger farms, ag development, and Yakima Nation, I think, that mm-hmm. are some of our main asparagus suppliers during the season mm-hmm. and they walked us through the different varietals the purple the white the standard uh-huh. and how the fat asparagus the bigger it is the right. juicier the more tender just like is me a common misconception yeah exactly. <laughs> you're talking tom's language he's exactly. always cooking the chubbies we, yeah we call them the fatties in our the in fatties. our house but uh, yeah they hold up on the grill beautifully because you can get a char on the outside without Crushing, yeah, crushing the center of it. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm. it's delicious. Now and the whole the purple ground. thing, though, mm-hmm. I find it fascinating how yeah. people. I mean, it's, it's it's just a color thing, right? So a lot of it times, like purple green beans turn green when you boil them, right? Yeah. You know, it's just a funny little. I don't, chlorophyll is probably the wrong term, but um, some sort of color that doesn't really last. Pigmentation of some kind, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. there seems perceived. to be a popularity in purple varietals yeah, of exactly. different produce. That you wouldn't otherwise see. We've got our purple snow peas, our purple asparagus, our purple snap it's peas, true. our purple kohlrabi. Yeah. Right. Everything's purple. You know what's on your, well, you probably do. I'm going to ask you something you know, but your lead item for this week at Charlie's Produce? 
What is purple garlic? Oh, well, you're right. I'm the one that put that up there. <laughs> <laughs> but you said you didn't know much about purple garlic. Well, you know, there is some marketing leeway in produce. and in, Oh, as really? In, as in everything. <laughs> but if you look, think about it, the Spanish garlic, the Rioja garlic or something, yeah. you know, there's... There's lots of different ways to kind of look at that and say what that is. It's just a different type of garlic. I mean, it's, it's not, it's the flavor is really the it's same. garlic. Yeah. yeah, it's garlic. Yeah. Not like black garlic, which is quite different. Which, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it's different. fermented and yeah, it's, that's very, that's processed, very separate. So. Uh, Madeline, uh, as you continue your, your ride with Charlie's Produce, what are you most looking forward to in produce this summer? I can tell you mine. Well, I'm ready for, for raspberries. Ooh, you're, you're going for peaches. raspberries. I'm waiting for peaches. Very good. I yeah. am a nectarine person, though. Are you? Because mm-hmm. you don't like the fuzzy skin? Or what's, what's your problem? It's the fuzzy skin, and I like a little bit of tartness in my fruit. Ah. Peaches are just a bit too sweet, unless it's a cobbler, and then it, you yeah. just so apricots, fall in. apricots don't come Chef, in. your favorite thing coming up this summer? Apricots. 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 If they're good, good apricots, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> so delicious. Talking yeah. about tartness and acids and light sugar and fabulous jam. Mm. You know, if you're nice to me, if you jam. let me win the trivia contest once in a while, I'll give you some apricots off of my tree. And All right, you got a deal. You got yeah. a deal. All right, good. Since I seem to never win, so that's good. All right. <laughs> well, it's good fun talking to you. Thank you for being Thank a, Thank you. It's been an a sport delight. and coming up here and chatting <laughs> with us. And Sherry, I don't know if you heard her singing before, but she is a musical theater major. Bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of Utah in musical Give us theater. a little couple notes. Couple of notes? Yes. Come on, sing, sing. Ha, 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 ha. Here we go. <laughs> go. Sing. Angelical, too. <laughs> what, uh, do we have 30 seconds? What uh, shows did you uh, do in college? Um, my favorite shows that I did in college were Pirate Queen by uh-huh. uh, Bublil and Schoenberg, the same okay. writers as Les Mis. Bring It On, the musical, which is a uh, collaboration by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who uh-huh. everyone has now heard of, and Tuck Everlasting, which was kind of under the rug, but totally, I've never heard of it. beautiful show Okay, about growing up and living your life and not trying to live forever, because the beauty of life is that it ends. I like that idea. Now I'm sad and depressed. <laughs> I know. When we come back more, it's time for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia on Cairo Radio. Let's go, Society Show 97.3. Here we are at the Hot Stove Society Show in the kitchens here of the Hot Stove Society School. If you ever wanted to know, Chef, uh, what should people know about when they want to find out about classes here, they just go to hotstove.com, right? Hotstove.com, or they listen to this and or they listen to hear our about show. it, mm-hmm. or watch it and see what we're all about. That's right. Go to Tom Douglas & Co., and you can watch us on YouTube uh, to tape our show. Typically, it does change once in a while, but typically on Thursday mornings typically. from 9 to 11. All right, it's time for our Rub With Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia. Such an exciting time of day. Uh, Tasty Trivia is brought to you by our Rub With Love family of spice blends constructed to assist the home cook punch up the seasonings in any meal. Each variety is a preparation suggestion, but their application goes far beyond a single recipe. Pamela, your your pros are amazing. Rub With Love is available (laughs) around the area in grocery stores and specialty shops like Payless Foods in Freeland, Camino Plaza, IGA in Camino. And, of course, our locations uh, here in downtown Seattle, including here at the Hot Stove. If you need help in finding more places to find our rub, where do you go? Hot Stove Society. 
That's where I would go. You go to rubwithlove at tomdouglas.com. <laughs> well, and I was in a market on Molokai, and uh-huh. there was Rub Molokai. With Love. Molokai. Yeah. Whoa. Woo. It was pretty funny. I was like, wow. Ooh, I like that. Uh, that is the, the, the velvet voice of Chef Brigitte Charters. Ooh, my radio voice. Who is uh, jumping in for Terry. Terry had to run. And then we have this woman who's... who's uh, Amber. Who's built Amber. in Amber. Hello. Who uh, has already... Impressed Made me nervous. us. Impressed us. So she's up on the other mic to be our third contestant today. How do you play our sh- our game, Pam? I've got five challenging questions for each competitor, and someone is going to get the most right, and they're the winner. <laughs> <laughs> but Amber already wins three and, rubs. Amber, Amber is the winner. Okay, you ready, set? Yeah. Uh, Bridget. So I'm representing Terry. Yeah, you're the chef in the hat today. You have to speak in French. We. Oui. We. Oui. Number one, what dish is well described by Wikipedia as a dish made from leavened batter or dough that is cooked between two plates that are patterned to give a characteristic size, shape, and surface impression? A lot of times it folds like this. Like a crumb cocking? Close. Well, she's either right or she's wrong, Pamela. Dish from leavened batter or dough that you might put maple syrup on. The hell? A waffle? <laughs> but, yeah. Amber's going to kill us. What, what? No, I, mean, I have no idea. What and was your said, answer? I, I, I said, what the hell? Oh, I thought you said waffle. <laughs> I thought you said waffle. I, oh, waffle. Yeah, sure, waffle. waffle. Oh, waffle. <laughs> it's a waffle. Oh, oh. God. I'm sorry. Did I he? got that correct. Yeah. <laughs> what double Z word means the muscular enlargement in a bird's digestive tract that grinds food, often with the help of stones. <laughs> oh. Exactly. I Number thought we had three. to wait until she would finish the question before <laughs> oh, we buzz it. No, you can, yeah, <laughs> you, know. you can shout it out. <laughs> what yogurt drink flavored with fruit or... Kefir. <laughs> spices Lassie. ...is a favorite beverage oh. in India. Lassie. You cheaters today. All right. A popular New Year dessert in China and Taiwan is eight treasure rice. The eight treasures might include the black and golden varieties of what dried fruit? Oh, raisins. Yes, exactly. And number three, what is the name of the pure... uh, Five. Four, yeah. What is the name of the pure spirit usually taken as an after-dinner drink that is distilled from wine? Port. It is usually caramel-colored and one of the most renowned products from France. Brandy. Brandy. Yeah, you got exactly. it. How'd you do? I think I had three. Three out of five. That's Amber, awesome. uh, first used during the American Revolutionary War, what three-letter acronym describes food that is prepared to be directly consumed by soldiers on the battlefield this acronym briefly, uh, partially resembles a scan you might get at the hospital. I mean, like, my first one would be a CAT, CAT scan, I think. But or, and It starts with an M. Oh, an MRI? So for the food version would be MRE. Oh. Uh, so that's a no. <laughs> Momo uh, is a popular South Asian food. Peach. Combining... <laughs> A carb-heavy covering with a filling of meat or vegetables. This food is often served in East 
Asia by what other name? Common name. Oh, it's a dumpling. It's a dumpling, exactly. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah, it's uh, it's mostly Tibet, but sometimes I think Momo's also from the Philippines as well. She's I told you deep. she was going to crush you. She's going to yeah. crush you. According to the <laughs> USDA, a can of fruit cocktail must be comprised of 25 to 45% pears, 6 to 16% pineapple, 6 to 20% grapes, 2 to 6% cherries, and as its largest proportion... 30 to 50% of what fruit? I mean, I guess orange juice. Peaches. 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 Uh, Number four, sometimes, somewhat fittingly, the Italian city with the most Michelin stars of any Italian city is also considered the birthplace of modern pizza. What is this third largest uh, by population Italian city? I assume it's Naples. You are correct. Oh, it is. Wow. And finally, generally, though not exclusively, Philly cheese steaks feature either provolone or American cheese, but they may also feature what processed cheese made by Kraft? I mean, I assume it's Velveeta. Close. What's the other one? Oh, I mean, I guess, what, what, I mean, in the a other can. one that creates the hand. With whiz. Whiz oh, in the can. Oh, the cheese whiz? Mm. Yeah. Whiz. Sometimes people use the cheese Ew. whiz. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. She's got two out of five. Tom, reflecting their shape, uh, the pasta <laughs> known as orecchetti comes from the Italian name for what body part? The ears is correct. The heat of hatch green chilies varies from about 1,000 to 8,000 SHU, a chili pepper heat unit scale, bear, bearing what S word last name of an American pharmacist? The Caspian, I don't know. Scoville. Scoville. Scoville scale. Nice job. Outside. Audience hey. had it. On the original Iron Chef, the four Iron Chefs were masters of Japanese, Italian, French, and what other? Chinese. Asian national. Oh, Correct. Nice. Wow. Vermicast the ear. is the end result of processes including vermifiltration and vermicomposting, which are used to break down the vegetation, foods, wastewater, and even sewage sludge. European nightcrawlers are a species of what type of animal used in these processes? Worms. Yes. Worms. And this is a gimme for you, Mr. Golfer. A mixture of lemonade and iced tea is an Arnold Palmer. Spike it with vodka, and it becomes a drink named after what golfer who won the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year in 1991? Yeah, I know. I don't know why. 1991 I'm rookie. He's still playing golf now on the senior tour. That doesn't help you any. John Daly. John Daly. Yeah, John, John Daly. Daly. Hey, if you want to be part off. of it, thank you, Amber, for being such a tremendous Yay, competitor. Amber. Enjoy your free stroll through the gift shop for three separate or three spice rubs. If you want to be part of the show, you can join the community on YouTube Live at Tom Douglas and Company. Also, remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show on Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. The show is produced by Pamela Hinckley. Our intelligence director is Sean McFadden. And our talented Cairo editor is Sean. Please don't call me Del Torre. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Cause it's beautiful, and it tastes so, so, so good.